Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont. If you're in our area, we wanted to let you know that we have community groups starting back again in September. So check out that and other ministries we have going on here at newkingchurch.com. morning church. Scripture reading today will be taken from 2 Samuel 5 verses 1 through 13. I will end by saying this is the word of the Lord and you'll respond thanks be to God. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said behold we are your bone and flesh. In times past when Saul was king over us it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off, thinking, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David, And David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shafts to attack the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul. Therefore, it is said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built the city all around from the millow inward. And David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, also carpenters and masons who built David a house. And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here today. I hope you all had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving time. My wife and I were on the way up this morning, and we were talking about how it's time for the D word the diet, because we just ate and ate and ate, and I feel like I gained 10 pounds. Well, as uh, Lucia said, we're starting an Advent series uh, today. I will be looking at at Jesus as the son of David. Coming up after that will be Jesus, the son of man, Jesus, the son of God. And the purpose of that is for us to understand more about who our Savior is so that we can draw ourselves out in worship of him. The name of this series is Come Let Us Adore Him, right? And so often our sermons here at New King, they they have a very practical side, and at the end of it, we may give you uh, three pointers. Now, here's how to go out and live your life. This is different. This is, here's how you go out and worship 
our Savior, Jesus. Okay, so that's, that's the purpose of this. This is what we're going to do. That's why we're going to do it. So let me just pray, and then we'll get right into it. Uh, Father God, uh, I just ask that you would bless us this morning as we look at this ancient text from the Old Testament, uh, something that happened uh, about 3,000 years ago. Father, draw our hearts out. Give us understanding. Give us eyes to see our Savior Jesus in a new light. I pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Now, the Bible is made up of 66 books written by probably 40 authors, written over a period of several thousand years. And yet, there are themes that bind it together so it tells one story. Some people call these themes types. Some people say they're trajectories. Some people say they're echoes, and, they, and, and a theme will echo across the centuries from the Old Testament to the New. Uh, some people uh, say that, that, that they, they are repeated over and over. Sometimes they're weaker, sometimes they're stronger, and they come to a culmination. So just let me give you a couple examples. There's a theme of creation in the Bible. How does the Bible start? In the beginning, God created, yes? The heavens and the earth. And that theme echoes throughout the Old Testament. And then we come to the New Testament. And we put our faith in Jesus. And what do we become at that point? We become what? A new creation. So you see the theme repeated. And then it goes all the way to the book of Revelation. And there's a new heavens and a new earth. God continues to create. So we have that theme culminating in the new heavens and the new earth. Another one is is temple. The idea of God dwelling with his people. That goes all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, scholars say that, that Eden itself pictures a temple with priests. Who were the priests? They were Adam and Eve, and they had responsibilities. And God walked in the cool of the morning, and they were together. And this theme echoes throughout the Old Testament. We see it in the tabernacle where God dwelt in this musty old tent and went with the people into the wilderness. And then the temple was built, and it echoes, and the New Testament comes. And what happens there? Do you know? The church is the temple of the living God. It is the place where he dwells. You individually, as a new creation in Christ, are a temple. And it echoes until we get to the book of Revelation. And what happens there? It says there's no temple there. Ever read that? At the very end of Revelation, there's no temple because God is dwelling with his people. And it says, they shall see his face. Right? So we see these echoes. I could give you another dozen of them, but you get the idea, right? King. Right? One of the other main themes of Scripture is that God is going to set in place a king that will rule with righteousness and peace and goodness, that God is going to set up a king. And it begins way back in the Old Testament, and it echoes through, doesn't it? And then we come to the New Testament, 
And we see Jesus, don't we? As the king. So, so what I'm going to do this morning in the next 30 or so minutes is I am going to look at this Old Testament passage from 2 Samuel. And I am going to point out some things. And, and I'm going to kind of go out on, on a limb here because I want you to participate. And what I mean by that, if we are truly going to worship the Lord this morning, worship is an active thing. We do it actively. So I want to point out a couple things. And if you see it, if you get it, I want you to call out Hosanna. Right? Diamond, I know you're going to do it. I hope everybody else joins in. And so do you remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem and he came up the Temple Mount? What did they call it? Hosanna. Son of David, Hosanna in the highest heavens. Now, Hosanna means a couple of things. It means save us, Lord. It is a plea. It is a cry for deliverance and for rescue. But it also, it also is a recognition that the one that they're crying to can save them, yeah? So it is a cry of deliverance and rescue, but a cry of recognition. Now, I'm going to point something, and I'll help you along with this. I'll say, do you see it? And if you see it, you cry out, Hosanna. Are you with me? Will you do that? Yeah? Come on. I know this is a Baptist church, right? But I saw a few hands going up. I, I know that there's a few amens that happen. So come on. Active participation. Okay, so let's look at this section. The first section I want to look at is uh, the first few verses. Now, before I do that, just a quick overview of where we are in Scripture. In 1 Samuel, the people say, we want a king. And they chose a king. Do you remember? Saul. He was head and shoulders above every man. He was handsome. He had broad shoulders. He was just the, the perfect king. But it didn't work out, did it? And he became disobedient and disobedient. And finally, he was taken aside. And David, the shepherd boy, was brought forth, and he was anointed king. And what happened after that? There was sort of this skirmish between them. Saul got jealous. He was kind of a weird guy. He was actually demon-possessed, it says in one verse. And he kind of tried to get rid of David. He didn't like David. So there was this conflict going on. And finally, at the end of 1 Samuel, Saul dies in a battle. And beginning of 2 Samuel the last people that were sort of following Saul. Israel was a bit divided at that time. All, all opposition to David is put down, and they all come. The 12 elders come into uh, Hebron where David is, and that's where we pick up the story. Verse 1 of chapter 5, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron. Now, they said three things to him. They made three statements. Here's the first statement. Behold, they say, we are your bone and your flesh. Now, what they were saying on the surface is that we are your kin. We, we, you and I, we are the same family. We are of the nation of Israel. We're kin. But there's something deeper. 
bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. Who sees it? Anybody see it? Hosanna. Hosanna, yeah, there we go. Hosanna. Right, Hosanna. All right, the second thing. And so what's going to happen? I'm just going to walk through this, and then we're going to go back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what you already saw, right? So, so um, second thing, verse 2. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. It was you. When Saul was king, it was you. So David lived in a world dominated by a king that was disobedient, arrogant, spiteful, to the point of trying to kill David. Yet it was David behind the scenes. Hosanna, you see? I knew, Tyra, thank you. Leading the people. It was David that was leading them. He was a good king. A king behind the scenes, an invisible king. And the people had allegiance to him. Um, over in, uh, in 1 Samuel 22, I'm just going to reference this because it's one of Ben's favorite uh, verses. What kind of people came to David? What kind of people came behind the scenes? It says in, in 1 Samuel 22, uh, David departed from there. He escaped to the cave of Abdullam. So he was, he was running away from this awful King Saul. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. So David's in the cave, he's hiding out, and people go to him. Who goes to him? And everyone who was in distress. And everyone who was in debt. And everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became their commander. (laughs) The oppressed those in debt, those that are bitter, those that, (laughs) that's who David drew. Anybody see it? There we go. Yeah, thank you. Hosanna. Oh, glory to God in the highest. Now, the third thing, back in, in 2 Samuel 5. And the Lord said to you, you shall be shepherd, and prince over my people Israel. So three, there's three little things in that statement. First is, the Lord said to you. It was the Lord that chose him. It was the people that chose Saul. But it was the Lord that chose David. Second, you shall be shepherd. One who knows the flock. One who leads the flock. One who nourishes the flock. One who protects the flock. And third, you're going to be prince. Prince. Now, what's a prince? There's some royalty associated. You know, you and I in this country, we think maybe of, of uh, the Queen of England and Prince Philip and all those guys. We, we don't really have this feeling in our country because we're not led by a king. Who was the last king? Maybe King George? I don't know. That didn't work out very well back in the old days. Who is a prince? A prince 
is a king in waiting. Yeah, how about that? A king in waiting is a prince. It's royalty. It's part of the royal family. But he hasn't quite come to the throne yet to rule. Oh, no, you said it. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. And what happens? As we read down through this, what happens? What's the result of all this? Verse 3, so all the elders of Israel came to the king in Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. He made a covenant. There's sort of a technical term that's used in the Old Testament about covenants. It's, it's cut a covenant. So when a covenant was cut back in the Old Testament times, the person that cut the covenant was the one that was the stronger the one that, that, that was in a much better place. And that person cut the covenant in order to bless the weaker people. That's how it worked. Now, so we read in the Old Testament, it was God that made the covenants. It wasn't like Abraham said, hey, God, let's make a deal. It wasn't Moses that said, hey, God, let's, let's cut a covenant. No, it was God coming down, the stronger, in order to bless. So David cuts the covenant. And what's the result? The tribes were unified. Through the covenant, they were brought together into one body of people. Do you see it? Hosanna, yeah, there it is. And so David is anointed king. He's finally recognized for who he is. And he's installed as the true king, the true shepherd, the true prince, and now king chosen by God, right? You're with me on all that, right? So let's go to the next section. So it talks about the reign of David and all that. Let's skip down to verses um, 6 through 10, if you're following along. And the king and his men, now they go to Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, now this is really a weird little passage, Maybe you picked up on it when, when Diamond read it earlier. Um, they said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off. Thinking, David did not come in here. Cannot come in here. Uh, nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David, and David said on that day, Whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him go up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul. Therefore it is said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So a couple of things to talk about here. The king now goes to Jerusalem, the city on the hill. It's occupied by the Jebusites. It's a stronghold that's very, very difficult to even mount an attack on. And so what happens is the people do a little trash talk. The Jebusites are up there. And they start, anybody do a little trash talk? Anybody like play a little basketball maybe and do a little trash talk, you know? When you do a trash talk, you always bring your head up, right? You always say, hey, right? Trash talk. So they're doing a little trash talk to David. And they, the idea behind this is the city was so impregnable that even lame people and blind people could keep watch and protect it. 
And so they say, you can't get in here. The, line, the blind and the lame, you can't even get in here and, 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 and overcome even them. So it was trash talk, right? That's what was going on. But did David really hate the blind and the lame? It says he hated him to his soul. Did he really do that? Did he really ban them from his house so they could never come in? Well, then we know the answer is no, right? Because a couple of chapters later, in the ninth chapter, uh, David, David is, is installed as king, and his heart goes out, and he says, is there anybody that's left from my best friend Jonathan's family? Yeah, Mephibosheth. So there's this one young boy. He's lame in both feet. And David brings him into his house and says four times in 2 Samuel 9, and he ate at the king's table forever. He was brought into the house. David showed grace to him, and he ate at the king's table in the king's house. So what could this mean? It's kind of weird that it says all this. What could this mean? There's a lot of theories about it. Stay tuned. We'll talk about that one at the end. So up the water shaft we go, right? So David asks for a volunteer. When you read in 1 Chronicles 11, this same story, it says he asks for a volunteer. Who will go up the water shaft? So David scouts out the whole city, the whole stronghold, and he says, I know how to get those guys. We'll go up the water shaft, right? That's what we'll do. And so we ask for a volunteer, and in, in 1 Chronicles 11, uh, there's this guy named Joab. And Joab answers the call, and up the water shaft they go, and Jerusalem, the stronghold is taken. It becomes the city of David, and David becomes greater and greater because the Lord is with him. So next, verses 11 and 12. Uh, Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messages to David and cedar trees, also carpenters and masons who built David a house. So this guy Hiram, he was from a different country altogether. He was this Phoenician guy. And, and he, he says, I, I am going to reach out to this David guy, and I am going to send some wood, some cedar, the best, and I'm going to build David a house. So what we see here is a couple of things happening. We see that David is now receiving some international recognition. His influence is spreading. Anybody see it? <laughs> yeah. Hosanna. And, and a house is built. And then it says in, in verse, um, where am I? Verse 12, and David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. He knew who he was. You know, some people, some people say that Jesus didn't know who he was, right? He knew exactly who. I'm, I'm going to the end. I shouldn't do that, but I can't help it. He knew who he was. He knew what his mission was, right? He knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew that God was behind him, and, and just just look at this one phrase here. Exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people. Oh, my. Hosanna. Yeah, that's it, right? 
So a house is built. We know about that too. And then there's this one little last part. Uh, David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. And, And I didn't pick verse 14 because I didn't want to have to have anybody come up and try to pronounce all those names. Some of them are a little tough. So, you know, when, when in, in the Old Testament, oftentimes when we see um, people taking more wives than concubines, it's a bad thing. It's not really a good thing. And we see that in the life of David's son Solomon, where he took a thousand wives and concubines, and his heart was turned away from God because of that. In this section here, it doesn't really say anything negative. The interesting thing that it does say, um, he took the wives and the concubines from Jerusalem, from the people that were already there, from a foreign people. So that's kind of interesting. And it says the king is blessed with sons and daughters. Okay, so let's just summarize where we are. The first five verses, we see the king recognized and anointed. Bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, you're one of us. It was you who led us behind the scenes during the reign of murderous Saul. It was you who were chosen by God to shepherd and be a prince for the people. It was you that cut the covenant for the sake of uniting the people together. And then we see the next section, 6 through 10. The king takes a stronghold and establishes his city, a difficult and dangerous task. It seemed like no way in, but it started with a volunteer. Someone said, I I will go. And it becomes the city of David. And the Lord is pleased. And it becomes greater and greater. But what about the blind and the lame? Just hold on. I'll get to that. And then a house was built for the king, an international influence and recognition. His name goes out across the land. And the king is blessed with sons and daughters. A house. A family. And now we come to the New Testament. We've come to the New Testament. The echoes are bouncing throughout the Old Testament. We see the echoes of the king, the promised king in Psalms, all through the book of Psalms, Psalm 2, Psalm 110. We see it in the great prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all speak of a coming king. You see it in the minor prophets, Zechariah in particular. And now we come to the New Testament. And we see the culmination of the echo, of the theme, of the trajectory. And how does the New Testament start? It starts with the book of Matthew. Now, if you're a visitor here, we've been preaching through Matthew for the last, what is it, Ben, 19 years? I mean, we're, we're, we're taking our time, you know. Um, the book of Matthew, do you know how it starts? Chapter 1, verse 1 of the New Testament. What does it say? Jesus, son of David. Isn't that interesting? Hosanna. Jesus, son. Okay, so let's just, bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. It's not just kinship. 
of, of David. It's, it, it, the genealogy of, genealogy of Jesus is vitally important to see that he's one in the line, but it's more than that. It's the incarnation, yeah? The incarnation, the fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us, the miracle that God came as a baby in a manger to this world to suffer and die as a man. Boom, there it is. He is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He is the appropriate sacrifice for our sins, Jesus is. He is bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. He is one like us in every way, except without sin. And he became a great high priest for us. Hebrews 2 says, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest sympathizing with our weaknesses. He went through it. Do you not see that? Jesus became a man and he suffered and went through it. Have you been betrayed in your life? Our Savior knows. Have you not had a prayer answered? Have you felt like you were all alone at times? We all have. Jesus knows. Have you been tempted by many things? Jesus knows. We have a high priest. He was made like us. Bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. But there's one more thing with that. That echo starts earlier than 2 Samuel 5. Does it ring a bell? Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. God had created. He had made man in his own image. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he caused a deep sleep to come over the man. And he took from his side a rib and he made a woman. And when Adam woke up and saw that woman, if you look back at Genesis 2, you'll see what Adam said is kind of set off in your Bible. You know why? It's a song. It is a song. It is the first song recorded in the Bible. And Adam cries out at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. From Adam's side came a woman. From Jesus' side came a church. Right? From Jesus' side came 66 books, 40 authors, several thousand years. The parabolas, the trajectories, the echoes go on and on and on. You led us behind the scenes, yeah? The world we live in, Paul in Ephesians 6 says it's this present darkness. Paul in Galatians 1 says it's uh, this present evil age. Jesus himself calls it a perverted generation. It is led by the prince of the power of the air. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But we as Christians, 
have victory through our Savior, Jesus. We are led by another king, a true king, a victorious king, a king who loves us and cares for us, sitting at God's right hand, crowned with glory and honor. The people said to David, you were chosen by God to be shepherd and prince. First Peter 1.20 says, he was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last days for your sake. See it? Oh, my. John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We see Jesus as the already not yet king, right? We, by the eye of faith, we see him crowned with glory and honor at God's right hand. (laughs) But there's going to be a day, yeah? There's going to be a day when every eye will see him, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow that he is Lord. Oh, my. King David, the echo goes on, yeah? David cut the covenant, yeah? It was Jesus that cut the covenant, the stronger to bless the weaker. <laughs> the Lord's Supper, right? Jesus says, drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of the sins. We read in the New Testament that the sacrifice of Jesus, the covenant was cut once, never to be repeated. But we remember it Sunday after Sunday until the Lord comes. The cutting of the covenant, the stronger blessing the weaker. The international influence and recognition. Do I have to even say it? The gospel goes out. The gospel goes out from these four walls to Williston Road, to Main Street, to St. Albans, to Montpelier, to downtown Panton, Vermont, and on. The gospel goes out into all these foreign lands, even Heinsberg, (laughs) where Luke and Lucy live. The gospel goes forth into the world. And their sons and daughters that are born. The kingdom, God's family, is growing day by day as people put their trust in King Jesus, the son of David. Now, I gotta I gotta wrap this up. Time is going by. What about what about the blind and the lame? What's going on here with that? I struggled for a while about that. And scholars struggle with it too. And they've got a whole bunch of different theories on what could have been going on there. What could have been happening. And uh, remember the situation. At his entrance into Jerusalem, David was taunted by the Jebusites. And it says... He hated the blind and the lame in his soul, and they will never 
come into his house. How could this prefigure Jesus? Listen to this. In Matthew's gospel, now again, we're studying Matthew. In Matthew's gospel, the term son of David is used more than any other book in the New Testament. Over and over and over. So I went through Matthew, and I found there were five times where Jesus is called son of David by the people. Five times. Maybe there's more. That's all I could find, five times. If you say there's six, I would not argue with you, but I think there's five. And every single time, it's associated with Jesus healing blind and lame people. Huh? That can't be an accident. That can't be a coincidence. First example. Matthew 9, 27. And as Jesus passed from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus had mercy on them and healed them. Second example, Matthew 15. A demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be son of David? Huh. I'll give you the third time. Two blind men sitting by the roadside cried out, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd tried to quiet them, but they cried out all the more. And Jesus had mercy on them and healed them. Let me go to the last time. I've got to turn to, it's in Matthew 21. I'm going to turn there just to read a couple of verses. So this is, Matthew 21 is, is this is where Jesus ascends the mount in and, and Jerusalem and goes to the temple. And it says uh, in Matthew 21, verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. So Jesus accepted that praise and said, out of the mouth of babies, even babies know. So this is the culmination. As Jesus enters Jerusalem, he's accompanied by cries of Hosanna to the son of David. So what's going on? How could David's response way back in 2 Samuel, a thousand years before that, prefigure Jesus? Last page. So David's words didn't match up to how David acted just a couple of chapters later. So maybe the words mean something else. Maybe David takes the trash talk. He takes the words, the taunts, and he turns them on his head, on their head. What if David is saying... 
I don't hate the lame and the blind. My soul despises their condition. The world is broken. Oh, my friends, look around. We suffer. We die. We see brokenness all around it. Jesus saw it and he wept. His soul just responded in a way that you might say he hated the condition. So what did he do time after time after time? He had compassion. And he healed them. Is it not no different today? Oh, thank you, Jesus. He has compassion. He hates the condition. And he has come and established his, his kingdom. And what we see in the Gospels is the first installment. This is how the kingdom is going to be. The blind are going to see. The lame are going to walk. All are going to jump and shout. And what are they going to shout? Hosanna. There's one final echo I'm going to end with. One final echo throughout the ages, from the Old Testament to the New, to the very last chapter of the very last book of the New Testament. I can't help but point this out. Revelation 22, verse 16. We have Jesus speaking, and he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. I am the source of David. I am the offspring of David. I am the beginning and the end. I am eternity. I am the bright morning star. When night is darkest, when all hope is gone, the morning star arises. Day is at hand, my friends. And how do the people respond in Revelation 22? The spirit and the bride say, come. We may live in a dark age, but we have a king on the throne in the person of David, but much more than David. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Oh, come. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this picture of our King Jesus, written so many thousand years ago, Father, I pray that we would see clearly that the Bible is your word and that it holds together and that it can touch our hearts and our souls and we can worship Jesus with more knowledge, with more understanding, more clearly and give him the worship that he deserves as our king, our prince, our Savior. We cry out this morning, Hosanna, Son of David. Save us, deliver us, rescue us, Lord Jesus, because you can. We recognize who you are. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride say, come, and we say, come today. 
We pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.